This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. You can have a theological understanding of the gospel, but not be in sync with the gospel because you're not in sync with the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that gives the gospel its power. The Spirit of God is what makes the difference. See, the reality is this. There are many people that are more in love with theology than God himself. They love to to read a whole bunch of books that talk about God, that talk about the Bible, but when it comes to reading the Bible, that seems sort of boring. So they'd rather spend more time reading other books than diving deep into the gospel. Like, they rather look at what God was telling other people than allow the Holy Spirit to tell them about his scriptures. And they get comfortable with that. I fell in love with the church where the gospel was being preached and the spirit of God was leading. I know this because I examined closer. Because sometimes from far away, things can look really good. But then when you get up close, you're like, oh, for real. Yeah. <laughs> so I started to go to... RC, Redemption Community, that's where people come together and they fellowship midweek and, and they dive in and live it out together. I started to go to those, and when I started going to RC, what I seen was people that was being so affected by the gospel, it impacted how they fellowshiped with one another, how they loved one another, how they corrected one another. Yeah, yeah. Like people could take correction without flipping out. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that got to be the gospel right there. I started to see things that was evidence of the spirit of God where people of different races, different backgrounds, different economical statuses can come together and love one another and gel together genuinely. Key word, genuinely. That became huge to me, and I spent time looking at that, and I'm like, wow, I love this place. So I think about me being here and the things that I want to, do here, and I think about standing up here today, and my only desire is to fan the flames of what's already been going on. See, God is blazing a mighty work in and through this church by his spirit, and I want to fan those flames today by zooming in specifically on his spirit, zooming specifically on the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason this message is called the spirit of the gospel is because men trusting in the leadership of the spirit, men allowing the spirit of God to empower them, went out and walked out the gospel and caused change in the lives of people because they was relying and trusting on the spirit of God. It wasn't just a cold and callous walking out. There was a leading of the spirit of God. You see, the gospel is not the gospel without a huge emphasis on the spirit. God is doing a mighty work here. And his plan wasn't just to renovate this building and fill the seats. That's, that's, that's not what's the plan. That's not the end result of the plan. There's much work to be done. And we need now more than ever before, to rely on the Holy Spirit to go forward on the thing that God has called us to do. Now more than ever before, this was just the beginning of it. 
It's, a vi- it's vital to our partnering with the Spirit on His mission in our harbor and abroad, locally and globally. It's vital. So our scriptural text this morning is going to be Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And we're going to dabble a little bit in Mark 6, verses 45 to 51. We're going to read through Luke 24, 13 to 35. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up as we read through that. I hope you got your standing shoes on because it's a big chunk of scripture. Yeah, buddy. Got those Dr. Shows inside there. Let's go. So that's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. And we're going to take off now. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? He said to them, what things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father, you are wonderful and you're consistent always, perfect, always, holy, always. In you we live, we move, and we have our being. 
I pray that you will prick our hearts deeply today for you, Lord. Turn our gaze towards you. Stir the flames of fire for you inside of our hearts today, Lord. I ask that you will guide me and help me to trust you as, as, as working through this message, Lord, and that you will bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Now, some might be wondering, why use a text that doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit to talk about the Holy Spirit? That's because the Holy Spirit is a person, and it's hard for many to see him as a person with a personality. It's easy to see Jesus as a person because you think about the flesh, but for a lot of people, it's hard to see the Holy Spirit as a person. So what I want to do is I want to go at this angle to, to express his personality by first starting at the reality that the Holy Spirit literally is the spirit of Christ. It's Christ's spirit. Literally. Galatians 4 and 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 1 Peter 1 and 11. Inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Acts 16 and 7. When they had come up to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. And since the Holy Spirit is literally the spirit of Christ, studying the personality of Jesus helps us to understand the personality of the spirit. So that's why I'm going this direction. Now, there were things about the personality of Jesus and the interactions between Jesus and his disciples described in this text that reflect things about the personality of the Spirit and our interactions with him. Like one thing that, that stands out to me is this. These dudes are walking on the road to Emmaus and it's for like seven miles that they're walking and they're talking to the stranger, pouring out their hearts to the stranger. He's talking back to them, rebuking them, correcting them, and they're going back and forth with conversation for all this time and they have no idea that the person they're communicating with is God. They have no idea that they're communicating to God. And I think about that and it's like, Here's the reality of it. For some of us, God has been communicating to you for like a couple of minutes, the last couple of days, last couple of years, and you have no idea that God is the one that's been tugging at your heart all this time. It's like me sitting at my church not realizing that God was the one that was tugging at me all this time. Sometimes God is communicating to us, tugging at our spirit, and we have no idea, we don't realize it's God that stood out to me. There wasn't no... Outward announcement. Jesus didn't roll up on the scene like, yo, dude, rumors of my death has been greatly exaggerated. What up? That's not what happened. You know, he didn't come and say, you know, before we talk, it's me. That's not what happened there. And the reality is this with us. A lot of times dealing with the Holy Spirit, it's not like a dove comes floating down out of the sky all the time. It's not like all of a sudden these words come out there, fear not, it is I. That's not what happens. But it's not like he can't do those type of things. It's not like he's God. It's not like he can't do something extraordinary. I have a friend of mine 
an older gentleman from Jamaica that shared a story with me that blew my mind that I actually believe that he's a man of God. And in this story, he was talking to me about his relationship with his wife. At that time, it was his girlfriend. How he was dating her for a while, and he was feeling like it was time to go from dating to marriage, and he wanted to propose to her. So he prayed to God about it ahead of time. I believe the story. So he said, before he was leaving his house, I don't remember if he was going to work or if he was going to school, but before he left his house, he prayed to God to give him a particular sign for that day because when he came home, he was going to propose to her. And he, said, and he said he made up a particular thing. He said, when I come home from work or whatever it is he was coming from, let there be a leaf on my bed and I'll be able to tell. Now, I heard that and I'm like, you serious? <laughs> but I believed him. And he came home and he, t- and he said there was a leaf on his bed. And I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, for real. <laughs> and they're married today. It's a couple that I love greatly. They're funny. He's always snapping on her. And, you know, and they joke around a lot. Love this couple. And I believed them. But we don't always have that leaf on the bed experience, right? I don't know if y'all, I haven't. But it's not that God can't do that. It's not that he can't do that. Let's dive in. Luke 24, verses 28 through 29. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Now I read this and I'm like, Why? Why in the world did he act like he was going further? I want to understand that. You know, they're, they're grieving over you right now. They don't even know that it's you they're talking to. And here you are walking with them. You're going to act like you're going for the YTs. <laughs> right? You know, but that's what he was doing. But I think about it, and it reminds me of another set of scriptures where something similar happened. Mark 6, verses 45 through 51, and I'll read it too. Now, this story is right after he fed like thousands of people with a couple of loaves of bread and some fish, right? So here's what goes on afterwards. Immediately, he made his disciples get into a boat, the boat, and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased again. Why? If he makes up his out of his mind, he's going to go out to them. Why does he go out there and then purposing to pass them by, though? What's up? What's up with you, Lord? What you doing? And as I ask these questions about why did Jesus not, here's the real question that I'm really asking, right? 
Here's the real question I'm really asking. Why did Jesus, in both situations, allow his disciples to struggle with clarity about his presence, resulting in them being unclear about his direction or plan in each situation? And then I can't help but to think about how many times I've struggled with clarity concerning the Holy Spirit, presence in my situation, and what direction he was going, what his plan was. I start to see the personality traits of Jesus in the Holy Spirit and things I've gone through in my own life. What I know is that it was intentional. It wasn't a fluke. Luke 24 and 28 said he acted, he planned that out. He acted like he was going further. Mark 6 and 48, he meant to pass. What is he doing then? He's planning these things out. What you see here about the personality of Christ that we also see in the personality of the Spirit is he likes to draw us out for us to exercise what's, exercise what's inside of us. He likes to lead us. So like a quarterback leading the wide receiver, he doesn't throw right to them. He throws a little bit over them to cause them to sort of stretch to get away from the defender. He leads us. Let me explain this more. Luke 24, verses 30-32. When he was at the table with them, he took, to the, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? What he's doing there, he's leading them to identify him by, by the spirit, not just by sight. Yes, yes. Walk by faith, not by sight. He's leading them to be able to identify him by his spirit. I mean, even though they couldn't tell who he was, their hearts were responding to his presence. Yes. Even though they couldn't literally see him, their hearts was responding to his presence. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, Jesus inside the, 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 the womb of his, his, his mother's belly, and then he's with John, and John inside the womb of his mother's belly, and these two pregnant girls are hanging out, and John flips inside of his mother's stomach, not because he can see Jesus, but because he senses the presence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 28, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. That's what's going on here. That's what was happening on that road. The Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. But somewhere between our head and our heart, we doubt the testimony of our spirit who's being witnessed to by the Holy Spirit. Then we find ourselves looking at the signs in hindsight like they were. Thinking about, oh man, oh that's right. Didn't our hearts beat? Like, like we find ourselves doing when we're looking at things in hindsight and you're like, Man, the Holy Spirit must have been trying to tell me not to do that. Man, I, I, and you start thinking about all the signs that you had along the way where the Holy Spirit was trying to lead you to go this way, but you went that way. Where the Holy Spirit was trying to tell you to stop, but you went ahead. We look at that and we see all the signs along the way where the Holy Spirit was communicating with you and you didn't realize it. And you start thinking about it in hindsight like they were thinking about it. He was leading them to identify him by his spirit. What about the disciples on the boat? 
Mark 6, verses 48 to 51. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Intentionally, he sends them out on the water ahead of time, intentionally planning, okay, I'm going to walk on the water up to them and walk past them on the water. Why? With the purpose of leading them to acknowledge his deity by displaying a God thing in front of them. Something that you can't attribute to the mere efforts of man. Like, you probably, you guys really don't know who you, who you've been chilling with for the last three years. Jump in that boat, go ahead out there. I'm going to show you. Also, a personality trait of the spirit. Some of those things that happen inside of our lives that you know was a God thing. We could have never pulled that off. We can't take credit of that. Playing the thing that you see that has happened inside your life, you know. Had to be God. Like this building we're sitting in, like all the different things. And and even our personal life, it had to be God. But how many times do we really give him the acknowledgement for it? And then sometimes... We become too overwhelmed with fear and it becomes difficult to realize the God standing in front of us or in our case, the God living inside of us. See, the Holy Spirit is doing one of those mighty God things now through this church. That's how most of us got here. Drawing leaders and people from different places, closing entire churches and leading them here, opening up campuses to be used for his glory, displaying a tapestry that we could have never manufactured, never planned out, God things. And in the midst of all of that, there is a great temptation to fear what it means to just plug in completely and go hard, allowing yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit in his plan and not just be a spectator or a consumer. There is a great temptation to fear for that. Paralyzing us and blinding us from seeing the sovereignty of the God that is calling us. Luke. Chapter 24, verses 33 to 35. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together and saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he is appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Here he is doing with them in his resurrection the same thing he was doing with them before his death. Fellowship. Key word, fellowship. Here he is. Prepping them for how life is going to look like for you from this point out. Where you'll be fellowshipping with a God that you can't see, but your spirit confirms his presence. Prepping them for how things are going to look like. Prepping us for how things are going to look like. There is no other way to know him personally than to fellowship with him. Anything else is just to know about him. Spending time praying, 
Because the reality of it, most of us don't pray. A couple of minutes we were out. Lingering in prayer, listening to his voice, sitting in the still silence of his presence. Fasting, saying, I'm turning down from all the other distractions to focus on you. Worshiping him, not just when you're at church when our awesome band is playing, but when you're at home when your hands are raised because he is awesome. Even here. Studying in his words so that you can understand his personality. He even knows, he's even known through the fellowship with other believers. Matthew 2 and 20, when two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. I used to hear that verse and think what it meant that you needed to have two or three gathered together for him to be in the midst. But that's not what it's saying. That would contradict the fact that he's omnipresent. If we need to have two or three for him to be there. No, what it's saying is that, listen, in the midst of your two and three, I'm also there. Don't miss me. That's why community is so important. That's why fellowship is so important. Because in the midst of that fellowship, in the midst of that community, the reason why people can hold each other accountable, love each other through their mass, is because he is there. That's why you you start getting curious for people that don't want to fellowship no more. Let's get to the application. The band, if you want to come, you can come. The spirit of the gospel, the application. Application point number one. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit should be personal and intimate. It should bear the fruits of a relationship with a dear old friend that you love and value and trust that is also your king who you serve Follow and submit. Application point number two. The Holy Spirit is working in our city and working in our church, but understand this, that the work that he's doing starts first in our own personal lives, in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, and then it spreads out to the church affecting your city. It starts with you at home. It doesn't start when you get here. Application point number three, Galatians 5, verse 25. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, the Spirit is constantly transforming us into the image and likeness of our King. But we have to submit to Him and walk in that transformation. Otherwise, we will be out of step or sync with the work of the Spirit in our lives, that's hindering our growth in the spirit and understanding of the gospel. I had a situation that happened inside my family recently that rocked us. It was hard. And inside of my mind, all these thoughts of how to respond to it is coming to my head. You can respond like this. You can respond like You'll be totally justified to respond in these ways. But none of those things was a reflection of how the spirit had changed me. I wanted to have a response that was in sync with the gospel, that was in step with the spirit. We have to live out how he had molding us and chaining us every step of the way. Live in that. 
Because God is changing and molding all of us. The problem is that we don't want to live in what he's changed. We're sitting in there and we're acting the way we think we should act, but not how he's molded us and changed us to act. We got to walk in that. Let's pray. Father, you are great and wonderful as always. Perfect in all of your ways. There is none like you in all of existence. In you we live, we move, and we have our being, Lord. Oh, Father God, sink your word deep into the hearts of your people today, Lord. Move inside of us in a way like never before, Lord. Keep us worshiping you. Keep us looking after you. Keep us trusting in you. Keep us, Lord, because our hearts have a tendency to stray. We give you all the honor and all the glory, Lord. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.